Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. In today's episode, I'm excited to welcome on Katie B. Happy. Katie is a master yoga teacher, author, motivational speaker, CEO, and founder of Be Inspired LLC and 501C. Today, we're discussing the journey of Be Inspired, as well as Katie's personal journey with Bell's Palsy, managing things like stress and overall mental health, how chaos can be beneficial, and how to ultimately stop holding yourself back and get out of your own way. Before we get to this amazing episode, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Katie, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on today. I am stoked to be here and and talk a little bit deeper about all the cool stuff that we have to offer. For sure. So for people who aren't familiar with your brand, could you kind of share a little bit about yourself first? Yeah, I my company's called Be Inspired. Uh, we're a self-development company that's been around since 2013 that originally started with just some awesome workshops and free opportunities for people to feel comfortable and confident in their body. And it really evolved a lot deeper into a myriad of things. But our main focus is self-adventure retreats. We call them self-ventures. So anywhere around the world, we're going to South Africa and Mexico and Italy and all these fun places. And it also hosts corporate wellness workshops to help us dive a little bit deeper. But really the origin of Be Inspired, the actual name came from the Latin root of the word inspired. So um, to inspira is to inhale, right? And to expira, expire, is to exhale. And when I was just 14, I was in New Jersey. I was a eighth grader graduating from my 50 person class. I was so cool. <laughs> and I, um, I got to experience my mom taking her last breath. And it was a profound moment. Obviously losing your mom to cancer is a big thing, but more specifically being able to be with her in her last breaths, because I think a lot of people, you know, we all have loss, but to watch someone exhale and then just not inhale again. Um, it was an opportunity for me at a really young age to see, it's like, wait, that's it. We just go inhale, we exhale and that's it. Like there's nothing, that's it. My mom's beautiful life came to kind of a halt on one simple exhale. And so you could say that the company came from that to be inspired, to learn why, why we get an inhale. Every second, 1.8 people stop breathing, right? And of the 120 billion people that have walked on planet earth, there's gotta be a reason why we're still inhaling. And I don't think I'll ever know completely, but that's what I've kind of dedicated my life to figuring out is what's our purpose and how do we create meaning around just getting another breath? Yeah, for sure. I love that mission and love that journey that you're on. It seems like you're just trying to help people claim their power for lack of a better way to put it. I feel like everyone who, you know, has made it to this point in life has experienced some kind of past trauma. Maybe yeah. it's something obvious, like losing a parent at a young age, like in your case, maybe it's something not so obvious. Maybe it was something like body dysmorphia or bullying or something that people don't even recognize as traumatic, but yeah. it still causes them issue to this day. They're not even aware of it. I think there's a lot of power in bringing to light those past hidden traumas that have kind of accumulated in all of our lives and finding ways to address them at the root cause 
getting on better terms with them and then using those past traumas or whatever term you want to use to describe them to kind of power and inspire your life moving forward. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement with you. One of the big things I try to do is even though my my pen name is Katie Be Happy, it's a joke because I'm not happy every day. I'm sarcastic, I'm crass, and I moved out to San Diego right when I graduated high school. So I've been out here now for like 14 years. And the the San Diego, I'll call them pansy culture, could not handle <laughs> my crass, sarcastic Jersey self. And you know, I, I've since simmered down a bit, but it is a definitely an ongoing joke where I don't think that you can, you need to be happy every day. There's this mission of like, oh, be happy, be positive. In actuality, I think what we can do every day is take what's given to us, whatever experience, good or bad, and create purpose and meaning from it. Like we could make something even smaller. Let's not even talk about my mom's death. I had um, Bell's palsy. I was paralyzed for six months in my face. So the right side of my face was completely stuck open. I was only talking about the left side of my face. My eye was stuck open. My lips were stuck open. And if I ate or drank, food would fall out of my mouth because it was paralyzed. And Bell's palsy comes on very sporadically. Western medicine believes it's kind of like chickenpox. It's a virus that affects your C7, the nerve that goes up into your cranium and, and fires. So your face moves and the nerve was inflamed. So you think about inflammation. That happens in dis-ease. We all have that. So disease is when our body's in disease of something. And it's accumulation over time. But when I woke up a healthy 27-year-old with a paralyzed face for no real reason, there wasn't an accident or anything like that, it was soul-crushing. I went to the doctor and he was like, yeah, don't worry, you're young. Every People that get it, there's about 40,000 people a year. 80% of them get their facial function back. And I looked at him, I was like, wait, you're saying 20% don't? And we just accept it. Like it's right. normal. Like 20% chance that I'm not going to smile again? And I, I was incredulous. So something like that, luckily I've since healed. It took about six months for me to get function back. But in those months where I was trying to gear up and, and face a new normal, if that was really what was going to happen, um, I had to ask myself, am I going to sit in the victimization of a paralyzed face or can I make something of this? Can I keep showing up and be the reason that people don't take their smile for granted that day? Can I create purpose and meaning out of what's given instead of sitting in, oh, this happened to me? No, how can I make it happen for me? I love that approach and that mindset. It's not what has happened to you, but what you've chosen to become and how you choose to play the cards that you've been dealt during that time, what did you do to take care of yourself mentally and heal yourself from a physical perspective? Uh, because you said you beat the Bell's palsy back in a matter of months. How did you do that? It's, it's inconclusive as to what exactly heals it. So the reason there's not a lot of medicine around it, at least Western studies, is because 80% heal. Um, Bell's palsy affects people with low immune systems, aka stressed. And so typically it's older people or maybe pregnant women, but it's not very common for what you would think a healthy individual. And I was what I thought at the prime of health, right? I was teaching full-time. I was at the peak of my teaching career, meaning like I was on the wanderlust circuit, doing all these great things with Lululemon. And what it really boils down to it, every, every person has a different equation for their stress and inflammation point. 
And probably on the inside, there was things going on that maybe I don't even know the words for even now, but I had to take a step back. I stopped everything that is inflammatory, all the workouts, all the alcohol, all the coffee, all the caffeine, everything that is known to be an inflammatory and spicy food. I love spicy food, <laughs> but even that I, I took a step back and I was like, I'm going to do anything I can to see if I can get this nerve to calm down. Um, I don't know. There's no answer, right? I, I took to acupuncture in a hardcore kind of way because it, Western medicine really leaves a gap. They say, here's steroids for two weeks. A lot of people hear from it, heal from it. If you don't heal from it in a year, come back and we could talk about surgery. But though, like, there's just not a lot of access point where Eastern medicine said, if you do acupuncture, we know the energy lines that help cool and calm what they call the chi. You know, there's two parts. There's chi and there's blood. Chi is the yang, push, go energy. And the blood is the yin, the calm, cool, and soothing. And I really had to get reacquainted with my calm, soothing side. <laughs> I'll never know what exactly cured it. It's not like, like one day it just went away. Some people's it is that way, but not for me. It slowly came back over time. But I did, I stopped all of the things that were inflammatory and took a lot of time to meditate, to lay on that acupuncture table, to calm. And I, I did realize that that hour that I was on the acupuncture table, I was replacing my workouts with that. And it was really the only time that I had to myself. And that was part of, I'm sure, as a compilation of things, why I was so stressed because that was the one hour. I was like, wow, this is really the only hour that I do have for myself. And maybe I was burning the candle at both ends. For sure. And that's a problem that we see amongst so many people these days, both young, middle age, you know, doesn't matter how old you're talking here. A lot of Americans are working themselves to death, for lack of a better way to put it, 50, 60, 70, even in some cases, 80 to 100 hour work weeks, and people are not pouring back into themselves at all. They're not yeah. sleeping as much as they should be. They're not taking quiet time to themselves. They don't understand the importance of something like a meditation practice or like a mindfulness practice in general. It doesn't have to be meditation. You can just sit and breathe and you could journal and just write out your thoughts. There's so many different ways to practice healthy lifestyle habits. It's not, you know, one size fits all for every single person, but there's a big importance on getting in touch with these habits and making them a part of your regular lifestyle. And we as a society seem to be forgetting and neglecting them in general. Yeah, I think what, as a yoga teacher, it's one of the ways that I can actually decompress because I'm also a personal trainer and I love the go, yep. but yoga, it gives me a unique opportunity. If I teach a 60 minute class, it takes me 40 minutes to like the class. And then finally, my mind has calmed enough to just, instead of having five thoughts at one time, it's only two. And when you get to that end of the class, you realize that your body all day. So we're in fight or flight. And instead of the natural physiological response of fight or flight of stress of being like, you know, how we used to need to run from lions if we were chased. Now that sensation is every day when you get a red notification, when you get a buzz, when you're get a bad email from someone, when you scroll and see something that you don't like, that same fight or flight is firing all day in the stress response. So giving ourselves a chance to rest, whether it's a 10 minute stretch, whether it's a 10 minute walk outside with no screens, whatever it is, 
it takes your body out of that uh, stress response and brings it into the parasympathetic state where we can actually heal. We're out of dis-ease and in the place of healing. And we're only in that state when we're fully at rest, when we're sleeping, or when we're calm enough that like uh, the body can actually heal itself. It's very infrequent that especially Western society, we're not, we're not very good at cooling and calming. No, definitely not. And as you mentioned, we live in a world of instant gratification, right? We don't even have to go to the grocery store for food anymore. We can order it from our phone. We don't even have to go out to see our friends. We can FaceTime them on our phone. We can connect with them online. We can post a picture of what we're doing, get likes and comments and all this stuff from people all over the world in a matter of minutes. What we forget is all of those things are kind of betraying our body's own nervous system and hormone system, as you mentioned. So we need to do these things like yoga, like meditation, like journaling, like taking a walk to reset ourselves, get ourselves back in touch with our body. Because a lot of people I've noticed, they are not really in tune with what their body is feeling, how they're feeling in general. And if you ask them to describe, you know, say someone's in pain uh, and you ask them to describe it, they can't, they struggle. I see mm -hmm. this as a physical therapist quite frequently patient comes in, they have pain. And I ask him, how would you describe it? Almost every time. Well, I'm not really sure it hurts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do you mean? You're not sure you, you can't describe what's going on in your own body. And it, it just highlights that point, as we've been saying that there's a huge disconnect between how we're living life and how we should be living life. Going back to your story, I can imagine it would be very difficult as a you know, young girl in California, mid 20s, living life without alcohol, without caffeine, with a condition uh, that impacted your ability to smile. How did that impact you socially at that time? It was really challenging because I thought so. I had just done Wanderlust Aspen, and I'm thinking, like, wow, you know, my ego is a little bit inflamed at that point. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm really making, I'm really doing this. This is amazing. And I just woke up like that way. And so it was, it, I had to come to terms with, did I do this to myself? You know, that's what people think all the time. And not to compare the severity with cancer, obviously like cancer is more serious in that way, but cancer is inflammation as well. Cancer is inflamed parts of the body that turn into cancer cells over time. And it's a mixture of our genetics mixed with what we've done over time, our climate, our environment, all of those things, and your particular makeup, it matters. Um, like, like, let's say you had myself and my brother in the exact same situations our whole life, but then something happens. If we've eat the same things and we've done the same things, but as we get to a certain age, because we're a little bit different, it would affect, maybe I would get cancer and he wouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. So our genetics are different in that way. And as I came to terms with the fact that I couldn't smile, or at least I could only smile out of the left side. Um, and I couldn't blink. So I had to tape my eyes shut like a pirate. Uh, I decided that after about a month, like, and, and I go through this in my book, I, I just released a book called Cheers to Chaos because you go through the phases of grief. I'm like, all right, I'm accepting this earth, mother, whatever universe. I, okay, I'm gonna take this on. And if I have to be like this my whole life, 
how do I make people feel my smile and my energy without my smile? Mm. Maybe I was too focused on that outer shell and not as focused on making people feel good with my words and my abilities and my actions. Because even as we get older, I'm 34, as I age, there's more and more, there's a $60 billion a year industry out there, especially for women telling us that we need, we need to be tanner or, or bleach our skin, or we need to put color on our nails or put things on our eyelashes and our, all our eyebrows and color in our hair. I mean, the fashion industry makes so much money telling us that we need to add something or subtract something to make us better. That's how, that's how it works. So our job in this life is to make sure that we have the tools in our toolbox to be like, shit, if that, if I don't change, if I'm just going to keep aging, which everyone does, no one gets out alive. How can I come to terms with building my inner capacity and my ability to love from that space instead of identifying with this outer shell? And we all go through phases of that, whether it's aging, whether it's an injury like I had, or whatever it is, we all have to shed old identities and realize that if no one gets out alive, how can I make my work, my life and my days worth something? How can I create purpose and meaning without it being about my physicality? Because that fades. And hopefully, whatever you believe, the soul or your, your mental and, and emotional impact is longer lasting than just the flesh suit that we travel in. Right. So kind of the concept of getting out of your body in a way and connecting more with that deeper sense of self from a mental perspective and a spiritual perspective. And again, that's another thing so many people struggle with because we are so caught up with what we see and we are not in tune with what's beyond all of this. And we see that even in relationships, right? We look at relationships and I think the divorce rate's like 50 something percent right now. People are very obsessed with the looks. They're not actually getting in touch with a deeper sense of self, one for themselves and two for the other person that they're in a relationship with. They don't actually know that other side of that person in a lot of cases I've seen. And as you mentioned, nothing is going to be built to last if you don't get in touch with that side of yourself and someone else. And if you don't have that connection with your own self, how are you going to build that connection with someone else, right? If I don't know what's going on in my own body from a mental perspective, from a spiritual perspective, then how am I going to be able to build a connection on that level with someone else? Yeah, one of my favorite, um, I dive into this into my, my single chronicles in chapter <laughs> seven, but uh, one of the escapades, it kind of climaxes to the point where it says, don't chase love, chase yourself. And the cool part about getting older or knowing yourself more is it's like an investment. If you make an investment in the stocks over time, if you leave your money in, you get a 10% exponential return, right? Well, with us, it's the same as your self-love practice. That one hour a day you spend, whether it's running or lifting or yoga-ing, that's 4% of your day. Over time, everything we do to better ourselves has exponential return. It's like we're investing in our own self-knowing and self-loving. Uh, the more reading we do, the more journaling we do, the more self-inquiry, it's not like that stuff is ever diminished. And also in the harder parts too, maybe even more so. I, I talk about losing one of the greatest loves of my life. I thought that we were gonna be together forever and uh, 
it just didn't turn out. I had fallen in love with his potential instead of what we actually were. And that was really hard for me to understand the difference between my, what my heart wanted because I wanted to stay and what my head and my gut, my, my intuition was saying, Hey, this isn't right. He wants to fly not in the same direction as you. And, and let's leave that to where it is. So the idea is, can we take a moment to know the difference between our heart and our head? Can we know ourselves enough and trust our journey enough that even when I'm, I have to, I'm breaking our stuff in half. Like we had a divorce. I'm moving out of the house. I'm getting a new life at 31. Can I still trust the fact that it's all playing as it should? Because I've invested all of this self-love. It's going to have an investment return too. The longer we're alive and the more we experience the more we learn and know about ourselves and we can deeper love too. And all of those habits that we talked about earlier help you find that sense of self, right? If you sit alone with yourself and meditate, breathe, take acupuncture, take a walk outside, you are disconnected from all the exterior noise that the world is sending you. You don't have all the external input. You don't have anything from social media. You don't have any likes or comments. You don't have any text messages. If you do it right, you have total stillness. And yeah. stillness is the key, right? We live in such a noisy society and we don't know how to just disconnect and be present. And when we can disconnect, when we can be present, when we seek to understand ourselves, make these deeper connections and formulate that kind of positive relation with ourselves, that's when miracles can happen. That's when amazing things can happen. That's when your life starts to become more exciting. Sure, not every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows. As you said, you're not happy every day, but you have that understanding of, okay, here's how I'm feeling. Here's why I'm feeling that way, right? You develop a little bit of, we call it emotional intelligence. So maybe you're angry or upset over something, but maybe you're starting to see the picture a little bit more clearly. Maybe you can see why you're angry, why you're upset and get to the root cause instead of just letting that emotion take a turmoil and downward spiral effect on your life. I think the biggest part of why I wrote the book. So when they, when my publisher, uh, Tucker Max, he wrote, I hope they serve beer in hell. <laughs> he asked me like, okay, who are you writing this book for? I honestly, at first didn't know. I was like, what is, what does that mean? Who am I writing it for? I'm writing it to tell my story. And he said, no, who is the person like the brand muse that you're writing this for? And when I started to journal, it was an avatar, of course, of me, but like a younger version who didn't identify outside of my physicality. I needed tools. I knew that I had something deeper inside of me, but I didn't have the tools to access or know how to be proud of who I was from the inside. And so the book is called Eight Tools for the Puffy-Eyed and Powerful, Cheers to Chaos, so that hopefully my eight little stories about different parts of my life give at the end they have this tool that you can take with you journal on it have perspective my I'm insanely honest almost to a fault it's like too honest and too detailed um totally embarrassed when my family read it but <laughs> at the same time um I've heard really good feedback from that authenticity and from that honesty the tools were even more potent for people to use because it helped them see a different way out. Just like old me, like I didn't know the words, I didn't have the space, I didn't know how to express it, I just knew it was in me. And it's it's a book for anyone that's going through transition, 
like it doesn't have to be your mid twenties, although that's kind of the space I was in when I was thinking of it. It's transition. Like I have a lot of divorcees, a lot of uh, people that just, especially after COVID, the last chapters about COVID and the COVID fatigue, a lot of people who had to shed identities the past two years in the pandemic. And just how do we shift having to shed everything I knew that grounded me, that made me who I was, what's, how do I go forward from here? So is COVID part of the reason you chose to publish the book when you did here? Yeah, because I had been writing it for years and never put it together and then stuck in my house, which I've, I've never been, you know, I run an international retreat company and I do live classes. So I'm all over the place. I see 600 people a week. And so the fact that the lockdown forced me to be in my house by myself, uh, I was like, I have no other excuse right now. <laughs> like, I just have to finish this. Yeah, for sure. And what better time too than, you know, we're looking at 2022 right now. And there's at least as of right now, when we're recording this, a little bit of sense of normalcy returning for a lot of people. And when we start to see that, we think of signs of hope, signs of opening up again. And that's a great time for people to, as we said before, claim their power uh, yeah. and kind of use all these different things that we've been talking about to not only return to what normal was for them, but make a better normal for themselves moving forward. Yeah, how to re-identify and, and shed what we didn't need before. And it, the biggest thing about this pandemic for me was that it's on a global scale. And although we're affected differently, the whole world was affected together. You know, a lot of us go through traumas, but it's only within that group of people that were affected. And when my mom died, our family felt it, but it's not like the entire global spectrum felt the thing that we did. And how interesting is it that we get to live through a time where the entire world felt this in some capacity and everyone I've talked to as we're coming out of it has experienced some sort of uh, disconnection or fatigue or um, like just not being able to identify. So I run an international retreat company. So obviously we couldn't do that, right? We, we couldn't go internationally. And I've never seen my business in that deep of red. I was so low and I was in that space of uncertainty because the, at the end of the day, the world is always uncertain. We don't, we can't control anything, but we've always lived under the illusion that we could, you know, mm. you, you do what you can to stay in that illusion. The lockdown forced us to really look at this uncertainty and say, wow, we really don't know what's next. We really don't know when things are going to open, when, if, who's going to be hurt by this. And so on a collective scale, the entire world felt that uncertainty face value. And we were like, I, I think that the whole world is transformed in the way that you spoke of, that we get to shed a layer, shed an old part of us and try to be empowered in what's next. And also give yourself space and credit for how far you've made it because it doesn't have to look like it used to. I am not as motivated as I used to be. I was, you know, in 15 countries and, and going here and there and going, blah, blah, blah. and now I'm, I'm finding myself slowly walking back in. I'm not taking on the world. Like I used to with a little bit of, I had all this bravery. So I was like, we don't get tomorrow. I saw my mom die. Let's all go. And now I'm, I felt what that was to be locked in my home for so long and just say, okay, I'm a little bit battered right now. I need to take it slower as I re-enter into this new phase of my life. For sure. For sure. As you mentioned in that chaos is part of life. We can't escape it. 
We've seen that lately in the news every single day uh, with other uh, world news type things. And would you say that chaos is a good thing? Because I got thinking about it and your book is called Cheers to Chaos after all. Uh, So to me, that seems like, hey, chaos is a beautiful thing in its own crazy way. I think that chaos is a certainty. So a lot of us want to live in this space of, oh, you know, when we're happy or when we're content, that's what life's supposed to be. I'm on the camp of saying chaos is actually the norm. And the moments that we get a little bit of contentment or happiness, we have to learn to savor those. You know, once every three days, I feel, oh, wow. Okay, if I could take a mental picture of this moment and savor this feeling. But the other days, I'm, you know, I've got a thousand emails to hit and I've got people to love and and fires to put out. And I think that if we come to terms more with the fact that the chaos, the crazy is more of, of who we are, that suffering and pain is part of our lives. But the difference is, and I think Tony Robbins said this, I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but we're never not going to have pain in our lives. There's always going to be tragedy, but the suffering part of it is what's optional, how we look at it. If we sit in that and have to be in the suffering, that's your own head. And you're the only person that's stuck in your head the rest of your life. So you better make it a nice place to live in. We have to create purpose and meaning. It could be like, okay, this is a boulder. Oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. And then in hindsight, we can look at it and say, huh, I did get through that. I do, I do have a lot more capacity than I think I do. And that boulder is actually more of a stepping stone instead of being something that I thought was going to end my life. And instead, it's only given me a lot more capacity and vantage point. Right, right. The obstacle that was in your path becomes your path forward in some ways. Or maybe yeah. the obstacle is there to redirect you. Maybe you yeah. can't beat that obstacle back. And it's there for a purpose. It says, hey, don't go this way. Go this way instead. Go where there was no path and blaze a trail forward. And in a way, I like to think that's what you've been doing with your company, with your movement, with your overall lifestyle. This is an area that you clearly saw a need for. We all recognize that there's a need. But not too many people have done a whole lot to bring awareness to the whole concept of getting out of your body, getting out of your own way and cultivating wellness in a true sense of wellness, not just, you know, physical wellness. I will say that when I, when I had my Bell's palsy, part of the journey was also saying, Hey, the rest of my body works like it was only my face. So I had to get out of my own way and say, I can still go and do a yoga class. I couldn't really run because my eye was stuck open, but I could still do a lot of things. I could walk. I could go grocery shopping and a lot of people don't have that luxury. And so it's, it's the ability to sit in something. I call it rock bottom cafe, you like <laughs> sit down there and you hate it, but also be able to see what's where there's good. Like you can't just wherever you're sitting, where you're feeling this, this sense of depth and, and darkness, there's also something that is going right too. like who you are right now is once a dream that you had set for yourself in some way. Mm-hmm. whether it's in the spiritual side, the relationship side, the financial side, um, any of that, the health side, or like in half pigeon, let's say in yoga, it's not about doing the splits or doing the handstand. It's taking inventory every day. They call it a yoga practice. It's like flossing your teeth. No one wants to floss your damn teeth, but you know that over time you're going to prevent cavities in yoga. I don't like yoga. Most of the time I told you till I show up till minute 40, but I know that it's preventing the 
me losing my mind. It's, it's flossing out the gunk of my mental health. And I get to take a little bit of a check-in and say, okay, maybe I feel pretty bloated today. I don't feel my best self, but my legs are working. I can feel the stretch. My heart is beating. My lungs are pumping air and they don't have to do that. You know, it's taking inventory on about what's going right instead of what's going wrong. Right. It shifts your focus away from what you're struggling with or inability in some cases to what you are able to do. And that's an empowerment kind of message, empowerment kind of journey. And again, that's something that I think everyone needs to embark on in their own life in whatever capacity they have the ability to do. And all of that comes with the discipline of action, right? You're not going to do these things by sitting on your couch watching Netflix. It'd be great if we could, but that's not how any of this works. You have to put forth a little bit of time and effort. In this case, we're talking about yoga right now. So you block out an hour every day to do yoga. And a lot of people might not do that. They might be like, look, you know, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of work, but you have to be willing to put forth that action. As you were talking before, you can't remake yourself without pain, right? You're both the marble and the sculptor at the same time. So there's going to be a process of reshaping yourself into what you want to be. But that growing pain is normal. It's expected. We need to continue to work through that and make those wheels turn in order to get to that higher place of life, right? If you're going and I would to say, if you don't need 60 minutes, I would say anyone, 10 minutes a day will change your life. Just 10 minutes of stretching. It doesn't have to be oming or chanting or even mantra filled, just 10 minutes. You know, as a PT, if you just take that time to just stretch, oh my goodness, your, your future self says, thank you. It's preventative medicine, but we get so wound up and so tight. We're like, I don't have time. Yep. And there's been times too, where I have my patients just sit down and we literally breathe for five minutes because they are so stressed out and so flared up from work, from all the crazy things that are going on in their life. And because they're so stressed and flared up, they're in pain and they struggle to do things like exercise. They struggle to even do some basic stretches sometimes. Sometimes you just need to take a minute, bring them back down to earth, and then everything is good. But if you don't take that time to hit the reset button and you just try and keep pushing ahead, pushing ahead, pushing ahead, then you're beating a dead horse here. You've got to disconnect. I agree with you. And a lot of times breathing is the first thing, right? That's the be inspired part about my company. So many of us go through life not even knowing that we're breathing or taking that for granted. And, and they say you can go minutes with, or you can go days without food and water, but only minutes without your breath. And just being where your body is at, taking one minute to lower your blood pressure and focus on your breathing, that's such a way to center and ground yourself. And it's like, oh, I don't have time for that, or I don't want to do all that hippy dippy stuff. In actuality, what it does is increase your efficiency at work. It helps you be more focused that if you take those little moments of rest and reset, it actually makes what you do more influential and more efficient. Right. More deep work for people listening who haven't started doing any of these things we've talked about uh, so far, where would be a good starting point for them? What would you recommend in the way of yoga and mindfulness practice and meditation? Where should people start? I mean, I think this, the easiest thing, if you're just into meditation, um, the Calm app, Jay Shetty, I love it. <laughs> I, I do it. Uh, but at the same time, 
my app, I have an app called Be Inspired that does all of the anti-anxiety stretches. I just do 10 minute stretches every day. Then I do a guided meditation because I think some of us are A-type personalities where we can't just stretch and we can't just sit there and meditate. We, I like to be moving a little bit. So it's just 10 minutes. There's probably like five stretches and I guide you through something to calm your mind. But there's so many good apps and whatever out there nowadays. The question is, can you stick to something? And if you're like, I can't, then just commit to two minutes a day. So one of my favorite things is I will, my alarm will go off in the morning. I'll hit the snooze button, which is 10 minutes, but I won't go on my phone or fall back asleep. I roll over and put my feet up on the wall beside my bed and do legs up the wall pose. And so if you're unfamiliar with the pose for the listeners, it's where your feet are up above you and it it sends the fresh blood flow from your legs, your appendages down into your axial skeleton, all of your vital organs. So I, I do a lot of trips to Asia. I, I've led eight trips to India. I teach at a festival out there and it's a 14 hour flight direct. And there are so many people, especially older people who lose circulation and pass out. The first thing they do on the plane is turn them over and put their feet up and they wake back up because the blood flow has gone down to their legs. I share this with you because that's an easy thing to do to start. You just roll over, hit your snooze button. If you fall back asleep, that's fine, but legs up the wall, let the blood flow down. You'll feel more energized before you step down off your bed. And then I do, I have a practice of my three G's. I just lay there and I visualize, okay, one thing I'm super grateful for a lot of times it's my little Guido nieces and nephews in New Jersey. They're so cute. Um, and then I fill myself up with that gratitude. That's one G. The second G is growth. I think about something that I want to do that day. One thing that if I accomplish it, I'll be proud. And on lower days, it could be something as simple as I make my own dinner and I don't order in. On bigger days, like if I'm feeling motivated, I'm like, all right, I'm going to send this pitch to this corporation or I'm going I'm to book someone on a trip. But whatever it is, I promise myself that if I hit that one thing, just one, that I will congratulate myself and celebrate it. It's my growth point. And then the final thing is I think of one person that I want to give love to, because as a species, we are givers. We love to give to each other. And so as, as, as certain as I know a text message would get to you, it's the same thing when I think about people. There is an energy that we can't even describe or know about. But when I think about someone, like, let's say I send some love to my dad just for 30 seconds. I think about my dad. I send him love. He's out in Pennsylvania. Then all of a sudden, I've already started my day thinking about one thing to be grateful for, giving some love back, which makes me feel good, gets out of my own head and into someone else. And then thinking about one thing, a growth point to be proud of. And that takes me about five to six minutes. Maybe I put some soft music on. On your iPhone, you can schedule it. So like, this is stupid, but like my Spotify will just start on some transient music and I lay there and think that. And then my snooze alarm hits. And if I fall back asleep, it's there. And, and then I've started my day with that triple G, something to be grateful for, a growth point that I promise to celebrate and a, a give back component, someone I want to give to. So I felt like I've already started my day in that good space. I love that approach. That's a very simple yet applicable thing for everyone to do. I use something a little similar. Uh, every morning when I wake up, I call at least one person in my family. Now, 
people know I'm a morning person. Uh, luckily, most of my family is too. So I usually call my grandmother who's been up since, you know, three in the morning. And we just talk. Sometimes it's three minutes. Sometimes it's 20. But I think there's power in, as you said before, social connection. We are people, we are human beings that are meant to be social and in touch with one another. We are meant to be surrounded by other people. And if you can start your day talking and engaging with someone in your family, someone you love, someone you have a good relation with, whatever it is, in any capacity of time, do it. Because that's the kind of thing that sets you up for success the rest of the day. You know, and every now and then there's a morning that comes up where maybe I went out the last night, maybe I was out a little too long, didn't wake up as early, and I don't get that phone call in. And I notice a difference and I feel a difference in the rest of my day. I'm sure you could say that it could have been influenced by what I was doing the night before a little bit. But uh, I think that that's a multifactorial thing. And I think that there's power to developing a good habit and routine like that and sticking to it day in and day out. I think it's important to, to moderation. I love tequila. I am all about having fun. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not a should. And, and the worst thing we can do is should on ourselves. If something you did the night before, you're like, oh boy, or maybe you overate or you were just lazy or you Netflixed for 15 hours, whatever it was. The worst thing you can do is harp on it and should on yourself. Oh, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done this. I should have said this. What that does is put your body in a state for far too long of the stress response. And so let's say you had, instead of a cheat meal, you had a cheat day and you wake Mm -hmm. up the next day feeling awful. It will make you gain weight and lose muscle way faster if you sit there and harp on how bad it was versus if you just say, okay, today is a clean slate. I'm going to make myself proud with what I eat and forget about yesterday because that shame spiral we get in actually sends, it makes us harbor and hold the things that we don't want and, and does the opposite of what you're trying to do, whether it's gain or lose weight because you're in that shame spiral. And I would also say that when you, if you're not a morning person like me, cause I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to talk to people. I like what you're doing. I would actually probably just text someone and say, Hey, I was thinking about you. Um, you know, I was, I hope that you're doing good because that's the same as me, like mentally thinking about them, but I'm not because I talk to people all day long in the morning. I need a slower wake up. So maybe you could text them or, um, just like pray or think about them too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you know, all of these things that are not one size fits all as you're alluding to right now, what works for me might not work for someone else. So it's best to play around with these things and find the best combination of habits that works for you. Because again, yeah. what I do won't work, might not work for you and vice versa. We're all yeah. different. So with that, Katie, this has been an amazing talk and we've kind of touched on a little bit of everything here. It feels Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks that you want to end on? I think that there's a big, what I've lived my life on is uh, getting unstuck. And there's a few ways to do that. Let's say you're in a transition or you're just in a place where you're like, I don't know where to go from here. Getting out of your small world is a big thing. So that's why I run a travel company because I take you on a week long trip somewhere to get you out of your normal life. We do a give back component. We do something of service. And then we also have a lot of fun, but even just doing something to shake up your norm, when you go back to your normal life, you, you, you see your life with more gratitude, no matter what it is. 
And if you can't do a big international trip, get out of your house for a day, go do some, take a different way to work, um, adventure to a place in your city that maybe you haven't seen before, but shake up, even though it's uncomfortable, what you normally do, get unstuck. And also we know we're big self-sabotagers in order to get unstuck, just move 10 minutes a day. Just start there, start small. Because if we can do little things every day that make us proud, then all of a sudden we get more chips in our, in our pride. We have more stuff to bet on. We have more financial capital investment in ourselves because we said, huh, I did that for 10 minutes today. I did, I went for a nice walk and I didn't think I was gonna do that. And all of a sudden when life shakes you even harder and asks you to bet on yourself, you have something to pull from. For sure. I like to say you don't lose when you bet on yourself. That's yes. a great point to end on. Uh, yes. Katie, for people who want to find out more about you or check out your book and your company, where can people find you? So cheers to chaos, eight tools for the puffy item powerful is on Amazon. It's Kindle and it's also audiobook. I read it. It's a really easy read. It's great for anyone going through a tough transition or just wants to laugh, but it's um, about Amazon predicts. It's like three and a half hours. So it's pretty easy to get through. Um, on Instagram, Katie, be happy and be inspired life if they want to go on any trips or if they have a corporation that recently over COVID, a lot of people went, we went online only, not in the office and we're missing that connection. So I work with corporations to help team build and bring us back together in a remote arena. That's awesome. So we'll make sure to link to all of that in the notes below. So if you didn't quite catch it, you can just click those links and check out everything that Katie and her company Be Inspired have to offer. Katie, this has been an amazing episode. Really appreciate your time and for having you on the show. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you like this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy hearing it. Additionally, if you want to help support this podcast and keep future episodes going, please check out our links below where you can support us directly or through engaging in any of our affiliate marketing links. Last, please make sure you check us out on social media at Braun Body and leave a five-star review, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify.